0: Welcome to Wasted Local Talent. What is up, everybody? I'm Daniel. I'm Ashley. And today we're wasting our talent with...
1: Mark Dunbar. Uh, I go by Dusk Glass.
0: So, since we've been doing this Skype interview because, you know, COVID and all that crap, Ashley is currently sitting in a church parking lot hiding from her children. No.
2: (laughs) I'm in, I'm in a car. I'm not just sitting in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, she's not just sitting on the front steps of a church. Is church going on right now there, or is no. it too late? No.
2: No. But
0: it's Sunday. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I
2: thought that, but there's like one car here, but I don't think there's anybody actually here.
0: Except for you. So I'm in
2: S- your county, Tennessee right now.
0: Oh, crap. I didn't realize you were that far away.
2: Yeah. It's going to be hot. It's, uh, it's not that bad. It's 82. Mm-hmm.
0: not too bad so so mark tell us about a little bit about dust glass and what you do
1: uh yeah so i um have always just really like liked glass from when i had gotten into high school i uh you know i started smoking weed and i just really enjoyed the pipes that i saw and uh growing up in wheeling uh i had been to the glass museum a lot. Um, we have a little glass shop up in uh, Ogilvy Park. And I had gone up there a lot as a kid. And I, growing up in West Virginia, I used to be really big in uh, making of glass. We had like Fenton glass. Uh, and there were a couple other places that were super prominent. And I just really like fell in love with the medium. Um, I just kind of just had a calling to it. Like I would like get pipes for people made especially in high school if someone had an idea that they wanted i would go and like find an artist that would be able to make that um and i just really enjoyed it to the point where i i just i wanted to do it but i didn't really have a means to or access to it it's not like anyone like the, your neighbor blows glass like you don't really hear about people like just like Blown glass, at least not around here um, in West Virginia. So I kind of was just stuck liking it for a long time. Um, and that's just kind of what got me into the whole whole thing. I just really love the medium.
0: So I had this conversation a couple weeks ago with somebody because there's that show, I think it's on Netflix, where it's about glass blowers. Mm-hmm. And, oh, is there? Yeah, it's really good. It's like a one of the competition type shows, kind of like a baking oh. show, but with glass. It's pretty cool. But um, so whenever you hear the word glory hole as a glassblower, what do you think?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, there's my alarm so I don't miss the podcast.
2: (laughs) Okay, hold on. I have sub. I have. okay. I have hearing problems. So I have (laughs) subtitles turned on. Daniel, what did you just ask him?
0: Whenever he hears the word, the term phrase glory hole. Oh, you said
2: you did. Hole.
0: Yes, I did because okay. because so and,
2: myself, <laughs> and but I, wasn't, I wanted to ma- double check first
0: because in the glass world it means something different than you know to somebody who's <laughs> not in tune with that.
2: I, I wanted to double check before I started trying to be in on this conversation.
0: Okay, so
1: in uh in in glass blowing when I hear glory hole it's the basically the the heated like oven that you put the, uh, the it's where you put the glass, uh, whenever it's hot is the best way to describe it. That's actually like a different like wheelhouse um, from what I, I do that's like dealing with soft glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've had the uh, opportunity to do it once or twice, but primarily I do lamp working, which is a with a torch directly in front of you. You're working on a bench. It's all, it's all right there. Um, the so that's with soft glass, where you normally work with a team of three to four people, is, and you can really kind of get into a flow. Uh, and it's you can make some really cool things and really big things that way. Uh, it's d- dealing with soft glass, which is a different coefficient. It kind of acts different than boro or a syllabate. Okay. So, but
0: yeah, because yeah, the other term, you're usually putting hard stuff in the glory hole, not soft stuff. But. Yeah. Or you put the soft stuff in there to make it hard. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> enough about glory holes.
2: <laughs> it feels so blasphemous
1: right now, sitting in the <laughs> church parking
0: lot. <laughs> sitting in the church tar- parking lot, talking about glory holes. That's not. I good. always
1: get like blow job jokes. Mm-hmm. Being a glass blower, <clears throat> it's just.
2: It's oh, real... there was one made in the in our group chat right before <laughs> we started this.
1: Perfect. I'm not yeah.
2: surprised. Not yeah. about you. Directed at Daniel.
1: Oh, it's
0: yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I guess Daniel. Yeah. Which coming from Josiah was a little off kilter. It was a little weird, but. <laughs>
2: um, I grew up with a uh, one of my best friends growing up. Her dad owns, uh, he blows glass in Doddridge County. Thanks. And I remember going out to his building and watching him do it. It's fascinating to watch. Like it's just, it's such a cool process.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's a very slow process is the thing. A lot of people do say like they want to watch and they'll watch for like five minutes and then they're bored because it's a very tedious procedure. Um, it's all about timing and getting the proper amount of heat in the glass that you need. You can't fight the glass. You got to get it to do what you want. And it takes a long time and it's Sometimes it's just minuscule moves at a time and like switching the axis, which means you're just switching the angle at which you're working the piece um, by switching blow tubes um, from the right from the right side to the left side, so if you're working the top or bottom and stuff like that and it, it just takes a long time to get anything done. but as you get things dialed in, you kind of can get into like more of like a workflow with it.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. how long have you been? Doing your own glass blowing. Well, I've been blowing
1: glass for about five years now. It's uh, kind of like a interesting story how I managed to get into all of it. Like I kind of started telling you earlier. I really like found my passion for the art in high school, and I like took that with me to college. Um, I didn't really have a lot of time or like money or anything. Like I actually was supposed to take a glassblowing class but my mom did not understand and got me the wrong kind of glassblowing classes the one involving the glory hole and <laughs> I, was, I was like oh we didn't that's not what i well Dad, I mom, what I stop
2: buying me glory hole classes right, right?
1: <laughs> so i uh saved up money during college and i decided that i was going to go up to the pittsburgh glass institute um up up in pittsburgh And I took a week intensive up there with Tim Dreyer and I just wanted to try it out. I wanted to see how I felt because it's something that I really had loved from like a distance and uh, admired. I wanted to take my uh, hands out and try it. And I had a great time. It was really difficult and trying, but I came out with a sense that this is, you know, something that's really like I do care about a lot. And I ended up taking another class and, um, I I liked it. I was just trying to soak up as much information as I could. at At that point, I was just about to graduate college, and during that time, I felt like I was in a pivotal place where, you know, it it's like a, this is a, when you're young, it's like the time to like chase your dreams or go after what you want. It's harder to do those things whenever you have a family, you have like, kids, you have stuff you gotta take care of. So I decided that I was gonna go pursue glass in whatever fashion that meant. And I applied to Salem Community College, which is in uh, New Jersey. It's the only place in the United States that you can get an accredited scientific glass blowing degree. Uh, It's about a two year college. And I was gonna go up there. I ended up uh, out in Texas uh and how all that came to fruition was i i didn't know anyone blue glass like i said it's not something that i was aware of i i like knew one of my friends a friend's brother blue glass somewhere sometimes but it's like i never could figure out who that was or anything and i ended up using instagram and facebook and i just got a hold of glass blowers across the country i got a hold of schools And I just kind of put it all on the table. I said, hey, I've been blowing glass for about 30 hours. Here's a portfolio of my work. I know it's not the best, but I'm willing to come out there. You know, this is the amount of money I have. I'll, you know, what can you offer me? I, you know, I'll I'll sleep wherever I can. Um, I'll clean the shop, you know, do the dirty work. I'll do some of your work for you. Um, I just was like willing to do whatever. And I got... I talked I talk to a couple of different places. One of them being the Penland School, um, and that's a. And then there was another school um, down in North Carolina. It might be confusing. Penland might be in North Carolina. Regardless, <clears throat> uh, there were a couple people and uh, like a guy. There was a guy in, that lived in what he called an Earthship. Uh, he was trying to start an alternative living lifestyle community, and he offered for me to come out there. Uh, and I hey, didn't I innovate.
2: want you to elaborate on what
1: that is um i don't 100% know i know he had just gotten out of jail and had uh was trying to restart his life and he wanted to live in a community he had a communal living space that was like out in the desert that like was big and you could go live there and you could trade your work for like okay so and- it was like yeah yeah basically it, it was something like that and he was trying to uh, blow glass there as well um yeah he made I think his name was Dizzy he made like these little cups that were really they used to be popular they looked like little like actual drinking cups but you you could smoke out of them um so I ended up getting a hold of all these people and trying to weigh my options and I ended up out in Texas I got a hold of Earl Jr. Glass uh his name's Darren uh really great friend of mine um like really did a lot of things for me and like helped me out he told me if I wanted to come out to Texas that I was more than willing to, and that I would have a place to stay at his house. Um, and that I could, that he would, he's more than willing to let me stay for a month. So I went, I drove out to Texas. I don't know any, didn't know anyone in Texas Didn't know anything. Just got in my car and drove 18 hours out to Texas over two days in the middle of July. I did not think about how hot Texas is in July. And the fact that we ended up being in a storage unit place, so in Texas, middle of July for a month, blowing glass in a storage unit thing with no AC, which I'm sure we'll get back to. Uh, but <laughs> so I I drove out there and uh, actually show up, and I tried to <laughs> I. I Well, actually, um, sorry. I showed up and as soon as I got there, he basically told me, I'm I'm not staying. You're not actually staying with me. You're staying with this guy down the street and he's actually not home right now, but it'll be okay. He's going to get in on a flight. So, you know, me, I just drove 18 hours out there. Huh? This
2: is how people get murdered.
1: I know. My (laughs) mom was very very scared for me. Um... (laughs) But I, uh, I ended up smoking. I hadn't really like smoked, smoked dabs that much at the time. And I ended up getting like way too, way too high there for the first time meeting somebody. I don't think they noticed, but I just was, was irked on it. And then <laughs> I went down the street and I met my new roommates. And I just uh, went to sleep and I got woken up by someone being like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm going to stay here for a month. Uh, Darren told me. That's what's happening. <laughs> uh, this ended up being one of his other apprentices and a longtime friend, uh, Evan uh, Flex Glass. And I kind of just soaked it all in for a month. And like I said, it was really hot out in Texas. But I worked through through it like eight hours a day. I just really wanted it. Um, and glass isn't something that comes easy. A lot of people, like, think they're going to pick it up. And it's just they can just make whatever. And it's like it's really hard to do, like, lots of things like it's hard people don't expect it to take so much time and everything but it was really a good thing for me because it's like taught me a lot of like patience and uh other like just things that i take into my everyday life that like i'm just not a patient person i'm very like on the go even like whenever i'm like if i if this was a phone call i'd just be pacing around my house right now (laughs) um or luckily this is a desktop i can't carry it around so it's helped me become patient more and I uh, just really enjoyed my time out in Texas and I was kind of met at a crossroads of whether I they said hey you know if you want to move back out here and you want to try to do it out here with us Uh, and they're a bunch of pipe makers uh, and they had a line that they were doing a production line and they had a studio and like Darren's doing does very well for himself in the glass scene and I was a choice to come back out there or I could go do the scientific glass blowing degree in uh, New Jersey. And they both had their pros and cons. Um, and I decided that I was going to go the uh, hippie way and go to out there and learn pipe making. And I packed all my stuff up and well, after coming back for a month or two. And I drove, drove my car out to Texas. And that's kind of where it all started.
0: Hmm. That's a very, like... Like Ashley said, that's that's how you get murdered. How did they like did did this person that you <laughs> stayed with, did he know that you were gonna be there whenever he came home?
1: Uh no, he did not. <laughs> but uh Darren uh has a has a tendency to like maybe spring things on Evan like that. So it didn't seem it seemed like it was like not an unusual thing for him to be like, Oh well this is happening. Um but yeah, I it is you know, it is how you get murdered and stuff, I guess. I, I've always thrown a little bit of caution to the wind, some in some sense, but it's kinda like I knew if I wanted to do this, I couldn't sit around and wait for it. It was something that was gonna fall into my lap. It was definitely something that I would need to pursue and I would I, I was willing to like go there. And that's like actually one of the reasons why like uh Darren put so much faith and confidence into me because he's like a lot of people can't even get out of bed to go do the stuff that they want to do. And he's like, you were willing to drive 18 hours across the country to come and do this. So he's like, I knew that you like wanted it. Mm-hmm. So I knew you were worth my time.
2: And there's no better way to learn an art form than to spend time with other artists.
1: Yeah. That's
2: like, That's something that you can't, you need that experience to better yourself as an artist.
1: Yeah. I, um, was super lucky to be able to, uh, apprentice under, uh, Darren, um, like I said, Earl jr. And I also ended up doing some apprenticeship under, uh, cage glass, uh, Kevin, he's uh, out there in the studio as well. And I learned like a wealth of knowledge from, uh, these guys. And it was kind of weird because the internet has really changed the glass community because, Glass is really a, like, well-kept trade secret. You know, uh, in Italy, in the island of, like, Verano, that's, like, you weren't, if you went to that island, you weren't, like, allowed to leave. Like, it was a hidden thing. And, like, it went from something that you could only really learn from an apprentice or lots, like, being an apprentice or lots and lots of trial and failure, because everyone really hid their secrets. And now, with, like, the internet, there are tons and tons of like information at your fingertips. And it was weird because for a long time, like, uh, in like, it seemed like the late nineties, early two thousands, that the people weren't sharing information still. Everyone was trying to like guard it, but now it's kind of weird because some people put, they have, you can look on YouTube and basically see how to do tons and tons and tons of different techniques. Um, and some people like say that's not right. Some people think that it's okay and it's real, it's, it's weird because you can learn a lot easier by yourself now, whereas if you, in the past, you wanted to do it, you had to have somebody.
0: Hmm. <clears throat> and glass, like around this area, like obviously in like Weston, you've got the glass museum and I've heard of, I don't know if they're classes or if they're just kind of like exhibits where you can go and watch people blow glass and things around here too so i know it's been big like around the Western area like the glass i don't know too much about the history of it but i know that back a long time ago it was like a really big uh business essentially is making glass around here yeah
1: yeah it's um it used to be a lot of glassware handmade i mean a lot of that stuff is now automated now mm-hmm. um it's just, it's just hard to, hard to compete. Like, you know, there are people who sell like artisan uh, artisan cups. I just had uh, a traveling artist come through uh, my spot, Taffy the gray and he uh, like makes cups, but he sells them for, you know, 75 to $175 for a cup. And, it's, you know, if you don't appreciate the art or what you're like looking at, like the hand, the handmade craft, then you just see a cup. And, well, one person would scoff at for, like, you know, $75, another would gladly pay. And uh, it's just, it's real interesting because there's a lot of different, like, coming from a pipe maker community and making mostly functional pieces, and I, mean, I do make non-functional pendants and marbles, but it's usually going to about the same audience. Um, it's, it's really weird what people, like, think... It's like okay or
0: not <clears throat> well it's with any type of art like what with what like Ashley does with her jewelry and stuff it's like you're you know you're, you're not you're paying for the piece yes but the reason especially like local anybody like local something that's not mass-produced like people like you blowing glass and Ashley making her her jewelry and stuff like it's the time and the effort that you put into it you know and that's what supports Everybody, it's same with like musicians or, you know, any kind of like art is, you know, it might seem to like somebody like, oh, $75 is expensive, but you're not paying for just, it's handmade and you don't get that anymore. And I would much rather pay more for something that was handmade than go to Walmart and buy a, a fucking cup. You you're know?
2: paying for the hours and hours of time it took me to learn how to do what I'm doing. To give you this piece that i'm proud to be able to put that price tag on
1: mm-hmm. yeah in in the in the primary community there's a real like anti anti-china sentiment because they mass produce stuff at a much cheaper price than us and uh out outsell us as well as they knock off designs and then undercut americans um so it's kind of like there's a very like anti-china glass sentiment from like people who care about glass it's and it's different parts of the parts of the like you know united states have cared more and care less about it it's, it's it's being in morgantown like i walk into a shop with a case of glass um and try to sell them on a cold call they like look at me like they're like I'm crazy. Cause they're like, you're walking into our store trying to sell us something like, all right, what are you doing? But like I can, out in Texas, I could walk into any of the head shops and just like with the case and like sell, sell stuff. Like Hmm. it's just like different and people care more in different places and Morgantown, people just want something cheap. They're gonna, it's gonna get broken probably. And I know it's a college community, but the East coast and West coast are really different in what they care about as far as what they want.
2: You don't sell anywhere in Morgantown?
1: I do. Um, I sell at Fatty J's in Morgantown, and then I have sold the Glasgow on WoW. Um, so Fatty J's has supported me a lot and given me shelf space. Um, I don't know if they're open still. Uh, I know they were going through some management changes around COVID. so. But I, I sell to those two shops in town. I, I do have an Etsy as well, and then I sell um, at different music events and stuff. I really like to sell at festivals and stuff. I sneak my glass in, and I pray that they don't take it. You know, knock on wood, they've never taken a case of mine. But it's so hard because I spend like you know hundreds of hours on building this product, and then. They might take it at security because I'm not so because I don't have a vendor pass, um, but I'm, it's, it's worth it. And I usually make a pretty decent chunk of change. Um, and I, I sell at concerts. Um, either the ones that like we throw through just come presents or other ones in town. Um, I was really trying to get a community art night going monthly in uh, Morgantown. I had done a couple uh, I would have a drum jam and a community art night. I would bring in about 10 to 15 vendors uh, locally and then showcase some of the local, local uh, musicians that were around and try to get everyone to sell their, sell their art. And we'd have, I'd get drums sourced uh, and it was a really cool thing that we were doing. So that was cool to sell through there. And I just post my stuff up on Instagram and then really people like it or they want, want that or they have, so, it makes them think of another idea. And I just, see what people want and I try to try to make it.
2: Um, have you, have you ever been into retro teak?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have been into retro teak.
2: Jill I, might be, Jillian Kelly. It. She might be a person to talk to you about selling in there. She likes to have a lot of different local artists stuff in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I might, uh, I, I might talk to her about it. I've, I've like mentioned it to her before. We actually threw a show, uh, at her place. Um, oh. yeah, she's a really, really cool person. Um, she really was uh, cool about. Her. She was helping me promote the community uh, art night thing that I was doing. Uh, before I before I knew her, I just asked her to push it for me. But yeah, she seems really cool, and uh, she has like a really good idea for what art should be, as far as like in the community. Yeah. So um, I really. Also, her.
2: you know where you could probably make a killing and like meet some really cool people is the is supposed to be going on right now is the tattoo expo.
1: Is that happening? Oh, yeah. Now it's
2: supposed to be going on this weekend, but they do vendors too. And all of the artists there would absolutely love your stuff.
1: The really cool thing about glass is that you can like speak to so many people through it. Like you have the ability to make so many different things in this medium that you can capture just about anyone's interest from making sculptural forms to making marbles you can make pipes that people can use uh and i like often get so overwhelmed by the fact that i can make so many things sometimes i'll just stand there on my torch and just be like well i want to make this and this and this." And i always like joke like you're not really a glassblower unless you have six side projects you haven't touched in three months (laughs) um
2: i have the same thing going on all the time
1: so it's like i have so many like ideas that i want to perfect and it's hard because um part of like glassblowing is somewhat as far as becoming popular seems to be finding something that people relate to and then replicating that throughout all of your work and i don't i don't exactly vibe with that a hundred percent i I don't like making the same thing over and over again. I like making something different every time and jumping from making a pipe to a marble to a pendant to something like completely random for no reason. Like I uh, like I think that people get too stuck because they're trying to get like popular off of it, and it's kind of a catch twenty two. But yeah, you got to find something that fits. I used to make a bunch of toothbrushes actually. Just huh. because there's like no one, um, there were toothbrush dabbers. They'd have like uh, a little, you could use the, the back of where you'd brush your teeth with the cap it and then dab off of it. Those, so those are huh. pretty cool.
0: What's your like,
1: yeah.
0: like, what's your favorite thing to make like for yourself? Like whenever you go and you're just, you just want to do something like, is it something random or do you enjoy like one specific thing more than, more than the next?
1: I would say I I've kind of fell fallen into making like spoon pipes. Um, I think one of those the reasons is that it's just something like that lots of people like. It's easy to take around and like you can do so many different patterns and designs on it. And I get I get wrapped up in how long stuff can take, and sometimes it's hard to know whether you should take six hours to make one product that's really good, or would you rather make, well, the other ones will not not be really good. Would you rather take two hours to make something not as intricate and stuff like that? I tend to, to make a lot of screen pipes. I've also just found that I can sell, sell those well and pretty easily, um, so that's kind of my go-to, but I really just jump around. Sometimes I feel like making different stuff. I always uh, think that I am a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> Because I don't take the time to continue the repetition of making something through the fact that you learn your mistakes through doing it. And then that's what keeps it. If you keep doing it over and over, that's what's fresh. And you keep thinking of new ways to do it. But sometimes I'll go back to doing something. I'm like, wait, how did I do that last time again? And I have to re- relearn it sometimes or yeah. figure it out.
0: Yeah. And another thing, like for my own personal, like I, I've always been curious about this, like whenever you're working on a project with glass, like say you've got a piece that you're working on, but you need, you know, like you said, you let it sit around for a little bit. Like, is it easy to just like take a piece that you've been working on? Like, can you just reheat it and continue working on it? Or like, how does that work? Cause I'm just curious. Yeah. So basically you work with a kiln, um, and a kiln is just
1: an oven that keeps the glass at a stable temperature and then it drops it all because glass needs to be the same heat throughout it so that whenever it cools, it doesn't crack. Um, it's more, it's a lot for denser objects and stuff with color specifically. Uh, so you use the kiln and that you can put it, take stuff in and out. As well as there's different types of flames that you can use while working that you can then use a you know, a Bunsen in a, kne- in a kneeling flame, which can be used to bring the glass up to the temperature that you need. Not as hot for, as for sort of working temperature to where it's moving around on you, but hot enough that everything is okay. You just need to keep the glass hot and happy the whole time while you're working on it. And sometimes if you're out, if you if you're working out of the kiln too long and you're focusing on a section, you're just going to have to put it back in the kiln. Wait till it all gets heated back up and then you can start working again. So it's, it's just, it depends on how you, how you work. Sometimes I can make a spoon pipe and I can finish it all without putting it back in the kiln. And then other times I the mouthpiece gets too cold and I got, I need to put it back in the kiln because if I would put it directly into the flame, it would just crack off because it was too thick mm-hmm. or uneven at that point.
0: Huh. Yeah. That was always like, especially watching that hey. show, like obviously that, that show doesn't really go in you know, there's so many people in the competition. So it was like, you know, a little bit of here and there and here and there. It doesn't go into like a lot of detail about everything and how long it really takes to do stuff. So I was just curious about that. Did you have something yeah, to there?
2: Oh, I was going to say yesterday <laughs> while we were driving, I told, I asked Paul what he wanted me to do with his ashes when he dies <laughs> because I was bored. And that was the first question that came to my mind. And, he's he told me he wanted me to turn him into beer which i don't think is a very good idea but i told him i was gonna have a glass blower turn him into a beer stein hmm. so are you my guy to put my husband's ashes into a beer stein
1: <laughs> um i don't know if i would be comfortable make i've never made a beer stein so uh let me get have back you ever to
2: have had you. people ask you to work with ashes
1: i have um yeah. i actually just did that a couple months ago um Somebody had bought a couple pieces off off of me, and they wanted to do something for their friend who had lost their husband recently. And they asked me if I would be able to put their husband into a pipe so that she could, you know, smoke she with him. She smoke with him? Yeah. Uh, and we did together. And, you know, it was, you know... I love
2: that.
1: Yeah, that was a really cool idea. And it, it was pretty... It's pretty daunting, you know, like, you're not just using like your raw material you're using somebody like i didn't i couldn't i didn't want to mess it up i i don't want to throw away this guy's like ashes i mean obviously some you know mistakes are made i did have to throw like a tiny bit away trying to figure out how to work it because uh the problem is that the human remains off nitrogen they're very rich in nitrogen apparently we are very rich in nitrogen so whenever your remains get burnt in the flame it causes them to bubble and it just bubbles and keeps bubbling up as if there's like tons of soap it just keeps they keep growing and you can't get rid of them so you have to make sure you use really fine material i i had to ask her to strain her husband's dead remains so that i didn't so i got the smaller finer pieces and then i encased it on the end of a spoon and then uh yeah it worked out really well i gave it to her and Uh, She cried, and I felt, I felt like a really, like, it felt nice being able to do that for somebody. Yeah, Um, I'm sure. You know, I, like, I, it was a cool experience. um, And, you know, I, I like making things that, like, are meaningful to people or that are important. And the fact that it was able, she was able to be closer to her husband through that.
2: I love that idea.
1: Yeah, it was, it was cool. I'd definitely be open to doing them again. It made my basement reek really it smelled awful of like formaldehyde and like a dead rotting body smell i guess it was not a, uh, it was not ideal um so <laughs> i was i was not expecting that that much but other than that you know huh. it was it was interesting so that was the one time that i've done that and i, I would be down to do it again but so I have to do the right project
2: what's the weirdest thing anybody's asked you to make?
1: Uh, the weirdest thing, um, I won't, I'm not going to say I, – I won't say who it is, but uh, – Yeah, don't,
2: keep, don't drop names or anything.
1: <laughs> people <laughs> ask me to make dildos and butt plugs all the time. I
2: have a feeling that was probably going to be your answer. Right?
1: And it's. I mean, a lot of people are just joking, but somebody wanted me to make a uh, dildo for them and their friends. So there was two. They weren't going to share it, but she sent me the, like, oh, wait, there were two dildos yeah not to share okay sharing. okay i
2: thought you okay i thought you yeah. meant there were two people
1: there are two sharing people. one yeah no two people two dildos and they sent me the measurements she was like yeah can you make this one this size but can you make this one like that my i want mine to be bigger and like i was like <laughs> she's like asking me about all the sizes and stuff and i'm like i i don't know lady like i'm it's my it was my friend's younger sister too that's the ticker as well oh, so gosh. i'm like
2: now all your friends are gonna hit you up after they listen to this, and they're like, "What did you do? Was <laughs> it my have, sister?" I
1: didn't make it. I didn't end up making it for them. They didn't. Oh, paint you didn't. No, I would. I would have. It would have been interesting to do. I do not really want to make a dildo or butt plug because the the idea of making something that someone sticks inside of their body and like the possibility of that breaking and being somehow tied back to me. Oh
2: yeah. In some
1: sense just sounds not worth it. I yeah. just pass the buck on to somebody else who wants to deal with that we're on. We you good money, that's though. That's smart. But, yeah,
0: the idea of putting so, something made out of glass into my orifices doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> Just
2: That's not even close to the weirdest thing that
0: people put in their body. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So that's the... That's the You've gotten
2: problem. off track. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always happened. Well, good what's the weirdest <laughs> thing you've ever put in your body let's just take this further no I'm just kidding <laughs> me no I'm just messing <laughs> <laughs> the
1: um the one thing about glass is uh that it's kind of difficult to like hot it in the industry like as far as finding you have to find your niche and people that want to support you and it's hard because you are your own boss, you're your own distribution. You're the shipping, the packaging, you're the one taking the pictures. You take your time up being off the torch, taking your pictures to load it onto like your websites or if you're auctioning stuff and you have to be present to do those things or selling it. And then you can get hurt, you know, blowing glass. Like I have been lucky enough to not hurt myself too, too bad. Uh, I've had some, like, close calls, and, you know, I've definitely had burns and cuts and, you know, like, had, like, I've never had to get stitches or anything, but I've had some, like, pretty bad things. One time I took a hot blow tube uh, that I didn't realize, and it was, like, you know, about the size of what you think, like, a chapstick container was about, and I pressed that to my lips, so I had a blister that was a circle around both of my lips, like...
2: You know, both making the same face yeah yeah <laughs>
1: that, and i've you know i've you know burnt I've, i was one time i was sitting on a bench with a desk chair you know how you have your knees under the under a desk and this this didn't have wheels on it and i was working on a marble and it was about like you know uh, one and a half inch two inch marble super hot it came off of the punty which is just a piece of another piece of glass that you use to hold the marble and it came off of that and rolled and dropped right through my pants, but I couldn't get Ooh. up because my knees were stuck under the table. So I'm trying to get up, uh, and luckily, uh, you know, my privates were safe. You know, that was, <laughs> yeah. it was so close. I, I, I think it jumped inside of me. We we're fine, but yeah, I had a—it was a close call. I'd have burned right through my leg and have have a burn mark on my thigh. It's not too bad anymore, but yeah, I've definitely had like close calls and cuts and scrapes, and you know. I, I almost passed out like a, a year ago. I think I like stabbed myself so deeply that I just was like, ever, I was like kind of in shock, but mm-hmm. it, you don't have any insurance, you know, it's like, not like a job, like that you're yeah. by your boss. You know, if you get hurt, you're paying out of pocket for whatever your insurance has to get this done. And then you might be out of work. Like, you know, if mm-hmm. you, which is
2: another reason we have to put, price tags we have to pay ourselves what our stuff is worth because we're also paying for our medical care we're paying we don't get insurance we don't get paid vacations we don't get any of that stuff when you're an artist for a living
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: we have so, to make sure we're paying ourselves enough
1: and that's it's it's hard it's hard to get enough money especially with in the market and it's as as, as glass goes it's not something that i said like i said it's not easy like you waste a lot of time, money, material, like ruining stuff. You probably have you know, you make you make it thirty times wrong to make it right once and then mm. you know you, you have it down, but you know, every dog has its day where they don't like it doesn't everything doesn't go your way. And you could work you can work like five hours on a piece and it drop and it'd be game over, you just gotta start again. And like it's it's humbling, but it's hard to make a living, especially like starting out doing it, I, uh, you know, I didn't feel confident, you know, forcing myself to solely live off of glass. And I got a job when I went out to Texas even. And it's hard because, you know, you're paying like $300 a month for your studio time on top of all the material that you have to buy. And then you can't work at the studio because you're working at your job to afford being at the studio. And then after work, you have to go to the studio to work. So it's like you have to work on your dreams. And I understand that. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. You know, I was I burnt myself really thin for two years doing that. You know, I would just work in this at until six. I would get off. I would drive home half hour, eat, drive a half hour to the studio. and I'd be in there till 2 a.m., rinse and repeat, go back and do it like every every day uh, until. And then the weekend I was in there on the, in the shops on the weekend. And it's just. I really had to like push myself and it was good. It was great. But at the same time I found myself like, you don't get to make what you want. You get to make what other people want. And I like that somewhat, but at the same time, it's not always fun just making production and making stuff. You don't want to, as you know, you can pay your bills with it. It, it mm. took kind of a little bit of the joy out of it for me at the time. Um, because i Found myself seeing it as like another job instead of something that I was doing and putting my creative energy out into. So I, you know, I decided to like kind of pull the pull the brakes a little bit. I I felt like I was kind of like at a crossroads in my life as far as what I should do and what would be best for me. And I felt I could get two things, and I, and I thought I could continue blowing glass full time. I was doing and I would get exactly what I wanted. I'd get a lifetime of blown glass, but I would have a hard time affording stuff. I wouldn't be able to travel, uh, which I really enjoy to do. I like, I really would like to be able to support myself and, you know, be able to support like my wife and kids. Um, I don't have a wife, but you know, future, future wifey. Um, You know, it's like, I I, I want them to have a job. I want to be able to take care of my family and, and stuff like that. And, you know, glass is like super, hard to find sustainability in, uh just like a lot of artistry work is so i decided to go back to law school and i just graduated uh that and i thank you um and i just have been doing glass for the past three years as more of a hobbyist um i do still find a lot of time to get down there to work uh but i kind of enjoy it like that a little bit more because I can go and put my time and effort into stuff that I want to do. And glassblowing tools are really expensive. Like, I really wanted a nice sandblaster, and that set me back around $3,000. I wanted uh, to get the $5,000 one, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. I wish I did. Uh, but it's just, you know and it's hard because obviously these things pay for themselves over time but you know and that's just one tool like i got another i got a set of rollers 275 i got a dremel uh you know 350 like the, like the things that go into like glass blowing are very expensive like i want i want to get a, a lathe which is basically something that turns the glass for you people are more uh, familiar with it with woodwork woodworking but mm-hmm. um i want one of those but if you want to get a nice lathe going to cost you like a good one it's going to cost you like ten thousand dollars oh my god it's not something cheap so i found myself like at a point where if i wanted to to do it like how i actually wanted to do it i needed another source of income and the thing about especially in the pipe scene that i saw was a lot of people were that were that were blowing glass at least around where i where i was were doing it because They were working at McDonald's or they were working at a car shop and they, you know, they like they only had or they they didn't even graduate high school kind of thing. And they were like, well, I don't didn't want to do this. And this seemed like something else that I could do. And like I felt like I kind of had like more options uh, because of what I had, where I come from and what I had uh, done so far. So I felt like I should utilize that. I kind of like I said, I got to do it when I'm young. Uh, So I was like, well, I got to go back to law school. Well, I'm young, I guess, so I kind of just, you know, <laughs> I I have that, but, like, I'm still actually, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm going to move out to Colorado, and I'm trying to get a job out at Eternal Ports. Um and, you know, they, they were asking me, like, you know, aren't you going to use your, like, law degree? And, I, I mean, I would like to do it, but I, like, kind of, also at the same time, like, glass is something that's just so important to me that, like, I just want to, I want to try it again, you know, just, like, for a little bit, see how that goes, because, like, if I can huck it And like, then it's fine. And I at least have the law degree to fall back on. I already have it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard to choose what you want to do and what's the right way to do it. And like, I still question, you know, should I have, should I have, um, you know, stayed in Texas and just blown glass? Should I have not gotten another job and forced myself to, uh, force myself to work and only be able to get money off of that, or you know, should I have gone to the uh, Salem Community College and got my scientific class degree? I always like wonder, like you know, am I making the right choices uh, in order to do what I like love? But I try not to give myself too hard of a time at the same time because I still am lucky enough to be able to blow glass. I have built a pretty nice home studio in my uh, basement in Morgantown, and I have a lot of fun doing it. When I get the chance, and I've even got my uh, roommate has gone into it in the last year. Kind of funny though; he lived with me for about two, two years, and we've lived together before. And then he uh, he just you know six months ago decided that he wanted to blow glass, and he just picked it up. and He's like, he got bit by the glass bug hard, and he's down he's down there almost every day. We share a workbench, so he's always like, "Mark, can I work today?" And I'm like, "Go for it, bud." <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's hard. To do, but I always know it's going to be something that's going to be a part of my life. Um, in some sense, be it a full-time job, be it something I do on the side, it's just always going to be something that like pushes me to like show my creativity and stuff. And it's kind of weird because I don't really consider myself an artist. Like I have a hard time reconciling myself to be an artist. Yeah, um,
2: definitely are.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take it like you know graciously but i i just like it doesn't feel it, it feels weird i mean i am making stuff and uh you know creating and expressing my uh self through the glass but for some reason it just to me i just don't i don't feel like an artist i don't know why like but yeah it's
0: it's weird uh, so one more question before we get wrapped up as far as your law degree goes i'm just curious like what What would you what would you become like a lawyer or what would you do with your law degree um, if you needed to fall back on it?
1: Well, uh, I've done a lot of stuff with family law. Um, I worked down in Clarksburg uh, and did family law stuff there as a legal assistant. And during my three L year, I worked at the legal clinic and took primarily family law cases, you know, custody. Divorce, you know, guardian ad litem stuff. So I would probably fall somewhere into family law. Or um, I, am, I am an executive director for the West Virginia Hemp Industrial Association, and uh, we're a nonprofit um, West Virginia hemp, and we have like a farmers co-op as well. That we, you know, do stuff for people who are grow, trying to grow hemp in West Virginia. Um, we try to work on stuff for lobbying for the legislation to go through. So I I really enjoyed that. I partnered with WVU and we threw a symposium, which basically lawyers have to go take classes just like teachers do, um, every so often to get their credits. Uh, so it was a way for people to get, get credits. And that was interesting. I did a nationally broadcasted, uh, symposium and with, about him. Um, Everyone then just associated with me with weed at law school, (laughs) but it is what it is. Uh, But so I might do something with that. But I got kind of annoyed with that because it's a lot of it sounds fun, like hemp and marijuana law. It sounds like it would be like a cool kind of law. And it is. It's super interesting. But I don't like dealing with the government. They don't like to give you answers about things. Um, and I, it's a lot of like water law and like city zoning ordinances and a lot of like really dry stuff. So it's not as glitzy and glamorous as it sounds, but I do, and have enjoyed that work as well. So I probably end up in one of those two fields.
0: Okay, cool. So tell everybody where they can find you online, like your Etsy, Instagram, all that stuff.
1: Uh, yeah. So my uh, Instagram is the best way to keep up with what I'm doing with my glass. That's dusk glass. Um, D U S K. Period, and then glass. Uh, that's how you can find me on Insta. And then if you look on Etsy, it's dusk glass arts. Uh, but yeah, I'm always I'm down to do customs and stuff. And I post my work that I make and. If anyone's interested in anything, they're more than welcome to hit me up. I'm always down to talk about glass or if anyone in the area is interested in glass, or, you know, wants to, wants to try it out, I'm always more than happy to talk to people and figure out some kind of thing that I can show them. I've done a couple of beginner classes uh, with people and they've seemed to enjoy it. Um, so I'm always down to work with people. I really enjoy the medium. I just really want to share it with other people in any way that I can, and um, you know, like I said, I had, to, I had to drive 18 hours across the United States to get what I wanted. Um, so I, if I can help anybody out here and you know spark someone's passion, you know, more than more than happy to help. Awesome.
2: I'd love to do a collaboration with a glass blower. So maybe we can get together and talk about that.
1: Yeah. What kind of jewelry do you make?
2: Um, I'm an electroform artist, so I copper electroform.
1: Awesome. 100. percent Yeah, I've done some electroforming work with glass. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's really s- some fun, fun work.
0: Your scorpion yep. piece that you did is fucking sweet.
2: Thanks. I love that was it. for a drag queen.
0: Was it? Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. I love it.
2: Thank you. I think huge scorpion was like as big as my hand.
0: Yeah, it looks really big. <laughs> All right, Ashley, Mark, thank you for uh, for doing this. I have to pee so bad. So I'm going <laughs> to jump off here. Thanks for coming, Mark. I'm glad we finally got you on. Thank you.
1: For me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Sorry I uh, missed the last one. I'm glad that you guys could pencil me in still.
0: Oh, you're good. It was my sister's graduation, and I was on like a time time limit. And being from Skype, I'm the only one that's got like the recording software. Um, so mm-hmm. like I'd have to be available to do it. So that was the only reason. If it wasn't for that, we could have done it. So We're all good. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Until Bye. next time. Bye-bye.